Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello there, Foo followers. Ben Johnson here, the host of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, reminding you that if you would like to support this show, we have a donations link available. Any spare pennies you may have would be greatly received to help with the upkeep of this show, the website, the social media accounts and so on. Simply head over to paypal.me forward slash Kung Fu Movie Guide to donate whatever you can. And a huge thank you to any listeners who have supported us over the years. You have our gratitude okay thank you and on with the show well if you're really so determined to have a fight then i'll oblige (laughs) (laughs) hello there ladies and gentlemen boys and girls foo followers around the world Welcome to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast with your host Ben Johnson. That is me. I am speaking to you from London here in the UK. This is episode 89. Welcome to the show. I do hope that you're doing okay and you're keeping well wherever you are in the world listening to this. We have another theme show for you today. Something a little bit different from the normal one-on-one interviews that uh, I normally do on this show. Today we are discussing the topic of stunt women and the challenges that women still face in the mostly male-dominated stunt industry. This is because of the documentary Stunt Women, The Untold Hollywood Story. This is a great documentary. It's available right now on Apple TV here in the UK. And if you haven't seen it yet, then I do strongly urge you to check it out. It features some friends of the show, people like Amy Johnston and Heidi Moneymaker. And it was one of our fight films of the year back in 2020. Women in Stunts is a topic that I have spoken a lot about on this show over the years. And it seemed rather fitting that we follow up the release of that documentary with a special dedicated show on the topic. So on today's show, you will hear my conversation with April Wright. She is the director of Stump Women, the untold Hollywood story, and the hugely talented stunt performer Alima Dorsey, who has worked on everything from The Matrix Resurrections to Joker to Captain America Civil War and so much more. Alima is a veteran of the stunt world and it was great to chat to both Alima Dorsey and April Wright for this show and to help set up today's episode and give you a bit more of a flavour of the documentary and some of the issues that we'll be discussing. Here is a little clip from the trailer. I wanted to be respected and I didn't want to be respected for a girl. If 
I didn't have amazing stunt women, my movies just wouldn't work. It was Matrix 2, doubling Trinity. When they say rolling and action, you just do superhuman things. This is bigger than just, oh, she's the right size, the wig fits her head. Back in the very, very beginning, women were doing these amazing stunts. They fought so hard for us to get here that now we don't have that luxury of not being able to do something. Debbie does most of my driving in Fast and Furious. I thought you do action movies and you get to have all the fun, and then I realized, no, Debbie has all the fun. <laughs> These are really gifted, talented people, but there's a certain element of danger. There's no way to practice a car hit besides getting hit by a car. This is pretty much what I use. <laughs> These are all just little loose pads. I've broken my legs three times, my shoulder, my hand, my teeth, my nose. I was given the opportunity to do a cannon roll. Literally was airborne in a car and then rolled four times. I remember I saw the footage and I was like, that's my sister. You and the car, you're dancing together. And you are dancing with a mechanical beast. even know how many times I got to do a fight scene with Keanu Reeves on John Wick. Women can be good stunt coordinators. Three, two, one, action. We had to dive together, fall, and then catch ourselves on a beam. It's not a girly girl fight, it's a knockdown drag out fight. There you go, a little snippet there from the trailer to the documentary Stunt Women, The Untold Hollywood Story. My chat with the film's director, April Wright, and one of its stars, Alima Dorsey, is coming up on today's show. More on that in a moment. Before we throw over to that, I did just quickly want to mention that it has been lovely hearing your feedback once again following the most recent episode that went out with Keith Cook. Keith is the great martial artist and star of movies like Mortal Kombat, China O'Brien and The King of the Kickboxers. Do go back and check out that conversation if you haven't heard it yet. And while you're at it, why not check out all of our previous episodes available in the archive? We have been doing this show since 2016, so there's quite a lot of conversations out there to listen back to. And if you do like what you hear, then please don't forget to give us a star rating or maybe you'd like to write us a little review with your podcast provider that is all really helpful and thank you so much if you have done that already and if you do want to drop me a line and ask me about anything related to the show or martial arts movies in general then please feel free to do so the email address is as always hello at kungfumovieguide.com we are also on Twitter at KF Movie Guide and on Instagram and Facebook at Kung Fu Movie Guide. And if you do want to find all our contact information, sign up to the newsletter and read the latest martial arts movie reviews, then head over to the website kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, it's time to talk stump women. This was a conversation that I wanted to record ever since I saw the documentary and read the book. 
that the documentary is based on. That is by the author Molly Gregory. I'll be sure to put a link to where you can buy Molly's book in the description of this episode. April first contacted us over social media back in early 2021 when we covered the film in the 2020 end of year show with Mike Fury, and then it took a long while to get the conversation set up and recorded, which we did finally do in September of last year. That's 2022. So it has taken a little while for us to get to this point, but better late than never, I always say. And、uh, because April is so busy, she has actually since released a new documentary, which is called "Back to the Drive-In." This is a love letter to the remaining drive-in theaters around the USA and the cinema experience in general, which, of course, was hit pretty hard during the pandemic. The documentary is available to buy and rent on digital platforms in the USA right now, courtesy of Uncorked Entertainment. And April's previous film, Stump Women: The Untold Hollywood Story, is available now in the UK on Apple TV. Okay, that is it from me for now. I will be back at the end of the show to sign off properly, but until then, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation all about Stump Women with. The director April Wright and the stunt performer Alima Dorsey. I've read Molly's book, Molly Gregory's book, Stunt Women: The Untold Hollywood Story. Stunt women in general was this always a topic you wanted to explore in a documentary, April? Well, I had done a couple other documentaries about. Different sides of the film industry that covered the history. So I did one about the history of drive-in movie theaters, and then I was working on one about movie pal- movie palaces, the the big ornate theaters. So I had already done a couple topics that looked at you know from the beginning of cinema up through the present, and involved a lot of archival footage and that type of thing. And then around the same time, I actually met. Stunt woman Amy Johnston, who is in the、yeah. film. I was working with her boyfriend, who is now her husband,、yeah. and、uh, he wanted us to meet. And she was looking to work with more women directors, and we wanted to work on something. and And we left it at that. And then I ha- also had had a lunch with cinematographer Svetlana Svetko, and she was really known for doing documentaries. She had DP'd. Um, a documentary that had won the Oscars, and、um, and we wanted to work on something together. So I had a great DP, I had a stunt woman, and then out of nowhere, the producers who had optioned Molly's book,、um, who I was already familiar with Molly, I was already familiar with them, but they said, you know, I think this book might make a good documentary, and they showed it to me. And、uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, it definitely will." And I have a female DP, and I have a stunt woman, and、yeah. uh, <laughs> it just kind of perfect timing. With, yeah, yeah, it was like within a couple weeks, all the pieces just kind of converged. And I really had a point of view that the book only went up to like 2007, and I really wanted to bring it into the present day and have some of the top stunt women working in the business today, like the money makers who were not in the book. And I also had the idea of putting the younger stunt women, the older stunt women, so that、yeah. we could bring the the book to life and let them listen to the stories. And then,、um, and then we wanted a second stunt woman, and、um, I found Alima, 
And I just, I liked her. I liked her credits. And as soon as we met, we just, you know, clicked. And she was, you know, another person who, who had to be part of the story. <laughs> yeah. So it just, it just was fairly easy. Like it, it just kind of out of nowhere, there were different signs coming at me, different people I was meeting. And then all of a sudden this was, this was the convergence of it all. And Alima, that's, that's a great sort of segue to bring you in there because your journey into the stunt world is, is a really fascinating one as well. So I wonder, could could you just explain sort of how you became a stunt performer? It's really funny. You know, it's it's interesting because everyone gets into stunts completely differently. Like I don't yeah. think one person has the same story as the next. Um, but so the way that I got in it is I was actually doing the AVP qualifiers. And um, in 2012, something happened with the AVP. I'm not exactly sure, but we weren't pl- we weren't playing that summer. And I remember my partners left and went and played other places and I happened to train Quentin Tarantino and he happened to you know kind of sponsor me for volleyball and he said to me he goes Alima since you're not playing volleyball this summer why don't you come with me to Louisiana while I film Django so I was like okay he's like you could just make sure I'm healthy you know maybe we can train every once in a while and it turns out that we were only supposed to stay there for four months but it turned into seven months and the last two months that I was there I went up to him and I was like cute I could do stunts <laughs> he's like yes you can so he then introduced me to one of the stunt coordinators I started working with some of the stunt team that was there and literally two months later I booked the butler and I just, I never went wow. back to playing beach volleyball. So he had a major role in me becoming a stunt woman, yeah, which was amazing yeah. because he completely changed my life. And I know April knows Zoe Bell, who he also um, helped her career as well. So he's he's very, he's amazing when it comes to really helping people get established in the industry. But yeah, he was the one that actually introduced me to the stunt coordinator. I trained with the stunt team. I booked the butler. And literally two and a half years later, Quentin Tarantino hired me for The Hateful Eight. So it was kind of like a full circle with him. But yeah, that's exactly how I got into the industry. So it was pretty amazing. He's into volleyball then, is he? he, Well, you um, know, it wasn't even that he was into volleyball. It was that I was a trainer. I trained one of his producers. This his producers really liked me. They introduced me to him. He knew what I was doing, like what my goals were, and he was just so so supportive of it, yeah. um, in any way that he could be. So you know, he allowed me to train him, and I used that money for volleyball. And uh, yeah, so he helped me grow and expand my life in in many different areas. Stunts performing in general, you could be doing all manner of physical activities. You could be you know in fight scenes, you're doing high falls, wire stunts. You can be in cars set on fire. There's all sorts of different things to to the role of a stunt performer. So just just speaking personally, Alima, what are the types of things that you prefer to do as a stunt performer? Do you have certain things in your career that you enjoy doing more more than others? You know, absolutely. It's it's kind of a tricky situation because when I came into stunts, I'm, you know, five ten. Um, African-American, American or Native American female. And there just weren't a lot of stunt performers that looked like me in the industry when I came in. So for me, I, I didn't really have the luxury of having something that I like to do. Um, 
since there weren't a lot of females that looked like me to represent and to double a lot of the actresses, I had to learn how to do everything. Mm. Um, so I, I mean, I had to really learn the wires, learn the driving, learn the, the ground and pound, learn all the martial arts, learn the fire burns, learn the horseback riding, you know, learn everything. I love doing anything that I can come home safe from and not get injured. Um, yes. Because since I didn't grow up in this industry, everything is kind of new for me. Even though I've been in the industry for 10 years, there's still things that I haven't done. So, yeah, do I love fighting? Absolutely. But, you know, if they ask me to jump off of a building that's 40 or 50 feet high on with a descender and not hit the ground, like stop right before I hit the ground, well, I have to kind of do that too. So there aren't really things that I really prefer to do because I've been ingrained to really learn how to do everything. You've got amazing footage in your film of, you know, these crazy silent film stunts where women are leaping off horses onto moving trains and all sorts of stuff. So that must have been really fascinating to have seen, you know, what it was like in the early days of Hollywood. Yes, I I think a lot of people find that uh, one of the very interesting aspects of the movie. And so that's why I I, I didn't think most people knew that. I didn't know that until I got into it. And we were able to go to, you know, we're we're based in Hollywood. So I was able to go to the uh, Academy has archives. um, And we actually went and dug up some of these old clips and, and looked at some of them. And I was like, you know, it's so fascinating. I decided to build the scene the way we did in the movie, where we had Amy, we had Alima, we had Michelle Rodriguez, and we had Ben Mankiewicz from Turner Classic Movies. And even Ben, as much as he knows about cinema history, he was not aware, you know, to the degree that women were doing stunts, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, even in the very beginning of cinema. And it's true, you know, I wanted to highlight that, you know, back then, 100 years ago, women were writing, directing, producing, starring in, and doing stunts. And some of these serials that women were in were that they were action serials, like The Hazards of Helen had, you know, like 70 episodes, sequels. Like, it was the Fast and the Furious back in the day. People would go see Helen jumping off of trains and motorcycles onto moving trains and all the things that were happening. And so when I showed that to, like, Michelle and and everybody, nobody can believe it. And I just thought it was so funny that today people question, you know, oh, we better put a guy in there because a woman couldn't do that. A woman couldn't jump from a motorcycle onto a train. Like, uh, yeah, look at this. And no wires. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I was like, I really wanted to show that in context. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Because it very quickly after the silent period became a very male dominated industry, Uh, the, the film industry in general, but also the stunts world as well. So this idea of sort of male dominance in stunts, I mean, this is something that is still prevalent today. I think I, I did a Google on uh, the percentages. It's 30% of stunt performers are women now. That's still still quite low. But um, Alima, is that is that something that you recognize in the industry today? It's, it's still, you know, quite a male dominated 
uh, industry? Well, I think Hollywood overall, number one, let me jump in and say that. It's not just yeah. stunts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm about about to say life in general. Yeah. <laughs> and life in general. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Life imitates art or however they say it, because I feel like in any career and anything that you do, because the way that society is, the same issues that we deal with in society, we deal with in stunts. You know, so we still deal with the male domination, same way that the, you know, the world does. Women doesn't, you know, they don't make it as much money. Um, sometimes they don't get hired as much. Um, and then there's still the racist aspect of it that, you know, that's still huge in the industry. So, yeah, I feel like whatever you kind of experience in real life in the world, I mean, it's kind of magnified in the stunt industry as well because it's a small niche. There's a clip in the film where Andy Armstrong, uh, a car specialist in, in stunts, he says that the industry today is still sexist and racist. He just says Absolutely. that on the, on, the film, on the film. I was surprised. I mean, did you, you recognize that still then? Well, yeah, because, I yeah. mean... Like I said, it's just, it's people, you know, you're dealing with people and their feelings and their beliefs. And that doesn't change when you go to work, you know, so however you feel outside of work, you normally bring Mm -hmm. that into work with you. So the fact that there's still so much racism in the world, well, guess what? There's going to be racism in the industry as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's changed in, in recent years that I'm hopeful but um, I think it's okay to talk about it a little more now. And there's a lot more awareness. And yeah. there are, are things, um, uh, I don't know, within stunts in particular, that's a great question. But I think there's a ripple effect because there were studies done around, um, you know, like women directors and women behind the camera and women in front of the camera leading things. And I think there is more awareness at how the statistics had not changed a lot since Mm. the 70s, (laughs) that they were kind of staying flat. And, um, And now there's a lot more people wanting to bring in women and people of color and make more content that's built around characters like that and stories like that that we haven't seen before. Like Alima was saying, when she started, there weren't so many, you know, black women in lead roles that she could double. Now there's a few more. Um, and hopefully it keeps going until we reach that parody where, where, where yeah. it mirrors, mirrors the world better. You know, Hollywood has not done a great job of mirroring the world. Um, for for a long time, and I think a lot of people want to change that, and I'm optimistic that that will create more opportunities for for us. I was speaking to Jawn Dace Candice. She runs Stunt Pock. She's been on the podcast before, and she was talking about this notion of uh, painting down paint downs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's still a prevalent thing. I know the um, uh, documentary mentions this, so yeah. I just uh, I just wondered, Alima, is that some? Do we still see that? sort of thing happening you know it's unfortunate we do there was just a paint down i don't know all the details but there was just a paint down a few weeks ago um that i heard about so mm. yes it 100 percent still happens i love mm. that there's more awareness on it you know yeah. at this moment so you know people can't do it as much it's just unfortunate that there are still some people doing it but yes there has been a lot more awareness brought mm-hmm. to it and like april i'm very hopeful that you know, that shift will change and everything will kind of balance out, you know, as we continue the way that we're going right now. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. and the way I was looking at it, you know, after making the film, I had a lot of awareness of sort of how things happen by looking at the history. 
And I think I think it's exactly that, that you have to go backwards a few steps because uh, women and people of color need to be given opportunities earlier because what happens is they don't give get the opportunities and so then the guy gets the chance to do that car skid or that high fall and then he keeps and then and then they're like okay that was great so then the stunt coordinator brings back that guy next time i know he can do it i trust him and Mm -hmm. it just perpetuates because then the same people build their resume but they also build their skills and then when you get to the really tough jobs it's like, okay, we need a woman or a person of color to play this. Well, we don't have any that are good. It's all about safety. We need to have the, the best people. This person over here has all the experience and the bigger resume because they were given all those earlier opportunities. Yeah. So you have to rewind it and give the women and people of color the opportunities to do the little jobs, to build the skills and to build the resume. So when the big jobs come up, they are ready too. And a lot of times those guys that would get the job, sometimes they're allowed to make the mistakes. You know, they could be they could crash the car and they're they're looked at differently than when a female is on the job and she makes the mistake. Now, all of a sudden it's this big deal. She's blackballed in the industry where if a man had made the exact same mistake, oh, they would have brushed it off. You know, let's give them another chance. And like April was saying, those opportunities were given to guys um, a lot, a lot more of those opportunities were given to them so they can build their strengths. You know, they can get better in that stunt, but then all of a sudden you get to a big film where we have to use a person of color or we have to use a female, but they haven't been given the opportunity to build the skills Mm -hmm. that they need to be able to Mm -hmm. do a great job. And then if they make a mistake, Oh, see, I told you, I told you we should have used a man, you know? So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But, but on the, on the plus side, but on the plus side, I think there's so many people now that are on the side of wanting to change things and wanting to bring that parody and wanting to give those opportunities. Um, so, you know, let's hope those people keep doing it and keep, yeah. you know, keep, keep supporting. I think there's a lot of people that want to want to make this better. There's a bit in the film where Debbie Evans talks about and, and she's a sort of champion, you know, motorcyclist. She doubles uh, Trinity, Carrie Moss in that amazing uh, mm-hmm. bike chase sequence in the second Matrix film. She says something like she still feels when she rocks up to set that she's still having to prove herself you know on sets and that's quite a depressing <laughs> that's quite a depressing <laughs> thought isn't it in in many ways but i guess that goes to what you were saying alima there about women still feeling that they can't you know they constantly have to be proving themselves or doing always. better than the guys yeah, yeah always we 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 cannot make the same mistakes that the guys can make still unfortunately but yeah. i love debbie and her attitude because she is one of the best in the business and most yeah. people know that male or female she's and and she's been doing it for so many years and she's still at that level she hasn't yeah. like gotten older and now she's not as good no she's still yeah. as good um and uh and still doing it and yeah. uh, you know she just always says you know i just want to prove them prove them wrong those people that think i can't do it and she yeah. just you know, she she goes in with a positive attitude, beside, you know, despite the situation. And most of the stunt women who are good at what they do, in fact, all of them that I talked to in the movie, um, they all feel the pressure and they all feel those obstacles. It's just a common thing, but they're all determined to succeed and to do their best and to be noticed and be recognized for what they do. Um, you know, they just have it's it's attitude is so much of it. 
um, yeah. that you know, even though even though you're in a potentially oppressive situation, they're not going to let that stop them. Mm. And guess what? That's the corporate world as well. Yeah, you know? true. So it's, it's, it's almost true. It's yes. across the board. Attack! April, how important was it for you then to raise the voices, particularly of the women who have went before Elima and Amy Johnson? So Julianne Johnson, Jeannie Epper, mm -hmm. J.D. Davids. Was that quite an important thing for you then to have these women on screen, have them tell their stories? Because I, I, I guess they just haven't really had the opportunity to be heard before. Yeah, I felt like that aspect in the movie was incredibly important because it's one thing to read in a book about somebody. Um, and they, and even though you, you read and you know they're a real person, when you actually see them and hear them saying the yeah. words out of their own mouth, um, you know, and the fact that some, some of these women who were pioneers in, in the you know, late 60s, 70s, and that they're still alive and that they're there to tell us the story. I really wanted to document that. I really wanted to hear them say what happened because it makes it real. And yeah. I think I think that that's one of the other things that people love in the movie, uh, like Alima, when you're speaking with J.D. and hearing her firsthand talk about things. Um, you know, it just you connect to it in a different way. Um, yeah. So, you yeah. know, because you see their people and they struggled through this thing and, and they're telling you what it was like. So it, it's oral history and, um, and it's very important. So I wanted to bring the book to life. You also see their pain. Like you see what they went through. It's one thing to read something on, on you know, in a book. But when I was speaking to J.D. David and I was looking in her eyes, you can see the struggle that she really had to go through back in the day. And you just really appreciate them so much more for paving the way and opening the doors for us. So it's definitely different than reading it on the book, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and we like when Amy was talking to Jeannie Epper, you know, I did a tremendous amount of research. I had the book, but I also did additional research um, and looked into the filmography of every single person that we were talking to. And and um, and I tried to get a good cross-section of different types of people and different perspectives into the film. But when um, Amy was talking to Jeannie and she tells us, oh, I got blackballed, we were like, what? Yeah. Uh, mm. We didn't know that. That wasn't written anywhere. Nobody knew. That was just her personal story she had kept inside of her. And that was such an amazing moment because you're thinking, wow, Jeannie is the best of the best. Everybody knows that. Even the guys know that. And the fact that somebody like her could be blackballed, yeah. what about the rest of us? That meant nobody's yeah. safe. You know, so that was a really, really interesting thing for me as a filmmaker that, you know, because you always kind of know what you're going to get. But when you start filming, you don't know exactly what you're going to get. And that was one of those moments that I was really surprised. Like, wow, if that can happen to Jeannie, then that really shows you that it that it's happening and that it can happen yeah. to anybody. Jeannie Epper, we should say, obviously was Wonder Woman in the uh, original Wonder Woman. I mean, it had me in tears at the <laughs> at the end, actually, where she's uh, ch uh, chatting to uh, uh, Amy there about her career. So you've got some wonderful sort of candid moments in this film as well, which sort of, you know, really, really hit you emotionally. And actually, JD's your interview with... Um, JD, a similar thing happens, doesn't it, where she's discussing, I think she was on set when uh, an accident happened yes. uh, that she couldn't do anything to uh, to prevent as well. It's a very emotional yes. um, 
part of the film as well. What did you learn the most, would you say, Alima, chatting to J.D. David? We should say J.D. doubled um, Pam Greer. I mean, she's done loads of um, work. What did you learn the, the most that resonated with you, Alima? Persistence. You, you know, yeah. you, you've got to dig your heels in and you got to keep going and you just, you got to fight and you just, you know, you have to be disciplined and you really, in this industry as a woman, you really have to know your stuff. You know, yeah. same thing without in the world. You really have to be um, well-versed um, and create value uh, and have a wonderful attitude and, you know, just not keep knocking down those doors. She was a great motivator when it came to that, to just, you know, go for it. Don't let anyone stop you. Go for it. Um, and, and don't take no for an answer. I think the other thing you said about persistence just now, Lima, you know, that that really is key. That was the thing. And also just know your stuff. Yes. Um, I really wanted to show a lot of people think stunts just either they're fun or they just happen or whatever. And I wanted to show the level of excellence and professionalism that these women are operating under, that they are absolute pros in every way, that they're pro athletes, that they are thinking, they're extremely intelligent, every single one of them, because they're thinking through every stunt. They're thinking through, I mean, it's physics and it's math and it's all the things, you know, whether they're consciously doing it or not, you know, they're thinking through all the possible outcomes. And if this goes wrong at this point in it, what do I do? So I just wanted to give them all credit for being pros, pro athletes and incredibly intelligent and, you know, people at the top of their game. This doesn't happen by accident. You don't you can't, you know be a stunt performer at the level that these women were without having, you know, just incredible abilities. The notion was always that it's a sort of cowboy industry and people just, you know, rock up and say, yeah, exactly. I can do that stunt, you know, but um, <laughs> but uh, I know exactly. the industry very different nowadays. And Lima, just to that point then, so what's your average day like? Are you Do you, you train all the time? I guess that's the that's the key, just to keep fit and active, isn't it, I suppose? I train every day. <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. I mean, the only days I'm not training are the days that I'm actually, uh, you know, working. Um, but if I'm on location or in a different state or country, I still end up training even when I'm working. I'll probably train on the weekends. Um, but I'm always trying to train and always just trying to stay disciplined in my craft because the more you're in stunts, the the harder your stunts become, you know, like mm-hmm. when you're in stunts in the very beginning, sometimes you have the easier stunts, but as your career, you know, gets better and prolonged, so does your stunts. Like you really have to know how to be safe, um, but also get, give them what they want. And a lot of times the regular fall to the ground five years, six years later is maybe a triple twist backflip fall to the ground. So the longer you're in the industry, I feel like the harder your stunts become. So you always have to consistently be learning and training and getting better at your craft. And everyone thinks that they can fight until they actually fight someone who can fight. (laughs) And then you realize just how good you really aren't. So, you know, (laughs) in this industry, you really have to continue training all the time especially too because there's newer people and younger people coming in after you and you want to stay relevant and you want to stay valuable and you want to continue working in this industry as long as you can so you have to continue and you to continue growing 
and learning no matter how long you've been in the industry that you never stop growing and learning so that means you always have to train otherwise you just kind of get stuck in a box where you can only do something specific and they might need something out of the box you know something yeah. that you're not used to doing so yes yeah. a typical day for me is working and training consistently and i train in everything from horses to cars to fighting to wires to rappelling to rigging it doesn't matter so my days are full no matter what like from from the beginning to the end i think at one point in the movie alima when we were following you uh, you around training and i can't remember if this made this into the film it might have but you were basically like this is my nine to five just yes. doing all the training is your nine to five. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> That's, you know what, you have to treat stunts like a business. You can't just come in here and just think you're just going to, oh, just make some money, you know, be in a film, be on TV. No, it's so much more than that. Safety's involved, lives are involved, you know, million, several million dollar movies are involved, you yeah. know. So, yeah, no, you really have to come in and you really have to take this industry like it's a business. It's your nine yeah. to five, if not your six to ten. You know, we'll yeah. start at six a.m. in the morning and I won't get home until well, 10 p.m. at night, you know. So, it's, yeah. It's it's the level of professionalism, like we said a minute ago. And another key thing that you said about, you know, knowing how to fight, it, it, it even goes beyond that. And that was one thing I learned making the film, that if people come in and say that they're a professional motorcyclist or a professional fighter or something like that, when you go to stunts, it's at another level still. Because it's how, even if you know how to do it in real life, like, how do you know how to not do it exactly? How do you know how to not connect that punch but still make it look great? Yeah. How do you know how to, you know, not win the race but how to, you know, do it in a safe way that looks like you're going twice as fast yeah. as you are or whatever it is? So it, stunts are at this whole different level because of the safety and because of, you know, just... You're, you're interfacing with other people. And so your objective is not to win anything. It's how do I make it look as good and, and cool as I can and not make it real? It's a yeah. whole different thing. Yeah, yeah. it's a whole different How do thing. you hit the ground 30 times and not break a bone, you know? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, so it, it's, like, it's like an extra bar higher than, um, than doing it for real. <laughs> if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hmm. Not bad at all. For women, I guess it's it's more challenging in, and I, and I just hadn't really thought about this, but um, not being able to wear pads because oh, yeah. if yeah, if there's a stunt involving if a actress is you know not wearing too much or a skimpy dress or whatever, you still got to do the stunt, but you can't you can't really pad up as much. No. Is that yeah? You've have you experienced that as well then? A hundred percent. Because also when we put pads on we are also look bigger than our actress, right? So most mm. of our actresses are really tiny for the screen. So there's a lot of times that even when we can wear clothes, we can't wear pads, you know? Yeah. But then there's the other times where they want to throw us down the stairs, but guess what? We're in our nightgown or we, you know, we, yeah. we, we're in high heels and, you know, we have to take that shot or that gunshot and, and fall backwards and we can't wear any pads where the guys can wear pads. Most of the time they can pad up completely just because of their wardrobe. So, Oh, yeah. It's always a challenge. Um, we step up to it because we have to. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I believe that that 90 percent of the guys would not be able to do some of the jobs that we're doing because they're so used to wearing pads where we sometimes don't have that option. I remember I did one of my first few jobs was on American Horror Story and I was getting beat by my husband after I guess we had just had sex or something of that nature. So I'm pretty much naked with just a robe on and he's supposed to throw me up against the wall, beat me down and I can't wear anything but pasties, you know? So yeah, it's, it's very interesting how the girls really have to step up to the plate and we have to take those falls just like the guys, but a hundred percent with less pads on. And, and, I'll say, and I'll say something funny I hear people talking about a lot in general. When you have a woman director, when you have a woman writer, when you have a woman stunt coordinator, and uh, you get to these things, it's like, wow, the girl's wearing pants during this fight scene and yeah. long yeah. sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> like somebody thinks ahead to have the person wearing pants and long sleeves because they know they're going to do some hard hits or whatever. So, yeah, yeah it, it is a thing that, that when you when you have more representation all around, people are thinking of those things a little more. In Birds of Prey, which I think you were in, Alima, um, yeah. when they get ready for the fight at the ends, they tie their hair back. And I know it's such a small little notes, but of course you would because you wouldn't want your hair getting in the way during a fight scene but how many fight scenes do you see where you know the hair's down or yeah. uh, whatever it's just not uh, practical is it but little it's new so little touches practical. like that it's you know things are changing there it is changing because i yeah. tell you what if i was to ever get into a fight and i had big hoop earrings on and yeah. heels the first thing i would do is take my hoop you earrings off and take of off my heels would. but in the movie they have us fighting with our hair out our earrings on you yeah. know with high heels so <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's very challenging <laughs> but but just quickly on that have you been injured on set at all then Alima in your experience um yeah I have been injured on set I would say that most of my injuries happen when I'm 
training or prepping for something because that's when you're learning something new and you're trying out different things. So a lot of times you kind of get hurt in the training process. But mm -hmm. there has been a, a few shows that I have actually hurt myself on. And guess what? I'm old school in the sense of my mentors were old school. And when you get hurt based off of my mentors, you don't stop, <laughs> right? Yeah. So even if you're hurt, you keep going, you get the shot and you do as many takes as you need to and you know until it's over and i remember two things i remember when i broke my pelvic um on a show i still had to do the high fall like one more time and i never told the director um or the coordinator that i hurt myself i called my mom and had her come pick me up and i hobbled outside and then she took me to the doctor but i never told anyone that being Gosh. said Fast forward a few, uh, like maybe 10, maybe eight years later, I'm doing another show and there's a young kid who's new in the industry and he overheats and he stops production because he's overheating. And I'm like, this is the new generation. You, wow. know? <laughs> you know, back in yeah. the day, it's like if you get hurt, you don't stop. You keep going no matter what that injury is. You you keep going. April, what were some of the shocking stories that you heard dur during your research? I mean, the film is is full of them, but um, you must have heard quite, quite a few stories similar to that. I think for me, it was just some of those personal stories and hearing the details. Like mm -hmm. when J.D. David talks about you know, how she flew off that roller coaster car for, yeah. the, for the movie roller yeah. coaster. And you've got the clips there in the film as well. That's the and other thing. You've yeah, got all this footage. Yeah. We were able to find a couple behind the scenes photos to put in there and also the movie itself. And um, yeah, so just hearing that and, you know, I, I, I had read that she got injured on that, but hearing the details, how in her mind she knows, you know, oh, this doesn't look safe, but I'm going to do it anyway. I think, um, you know, just stuff like that and how and how it went down and how much pressure she felt. And strangely, it actually kind of ties into what Alima just said is you have to be smarter nowadays and know that point where you can push yourself and what you can or can't handle and still feel like things are safe. But really speaking up if you think it's not. And I think JD back in those days felt like she had, you know, she even says, oh, the guys are going to do this. Okay, so am I. And um, some of that attitude is what got her where she where she got yeah. to as one of the top in the field, but it's also what got her really injured. And yeah. I think, and I think that's the thing now. And one of the girls in the film s says it is that you know you really have to be conscious and say, I don't feel like I can do this right now, or I don't feel like this is safe. And even Heidi and Renee Moneymaker are like, okay, let's talk about this. This is not in the right place. Like, speak up because it's your life and it's other people's lives. So. That's the most important takeaway is uh, I think some of the women that came before them felt like they couldn't speak up. And, you know, and sometimes like Alima said, you just can't. You have to take the hit. You have to keep going. You can't stop production. Um, but, you know, that's kind of where it's at today is just yeah. how, how can you how can you still deliver what's needed and how can you speak up when you know something is truly not safe? Yeah. Absolutely. And just to add to that, I also feel like experience helps you do that because when you're in the industry, when you're first getting in the industry, you want to work 
and you want people to know that you can do the job. And the last thing you want to do is hinder anyone or get hurt or, you know, so sometimes you feel like you can't speak up. But now that I've been in the industry for 10 years, I speak up so fast. I'm like, yeah. oh, wait a minute. You know, I can we look at this one more time or have you seen this or have you seen that or what do you think about this? You know, because I've learned that my life does matter and that there's no no reason to rush so fast that there's the potential for someone to get mm -hmm. hurt, you know? So now I feel like we do have a level of comfort where we can kind of speak up or we're just so pissed off or so mad at getting hurt all the time that now we don't care if you like it or not, we're gonna speak up. You know? yeah. Right. Sometimes and I, you and I have think to take the bull by the horn and take your safety, you know, in your own hands and you have to speak up and you have to say something. But if you do, it has to be worth it. It can't be yeah. because you're hot or you're overheating. Like it has to be like a serious issue yeah. and a reason for you to bring it to the coordinator because the coordinator, after they look at it, sometimes they'll be like, oh, yeah, you know what? Thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. I didn't even mm -hmm. see that. So I think yeah. it's very important for us to now know, you know, that it's okay to say if we don't feel comfortable doing something. I've killed many men with this pole, but still, I don't want to kill you yet. <laughs> this concept of wigging. So the old school approach was they ask a woman to do the stunt first or they they ask a few women and then if it's not, they just get a guy to put a wig on. I mean, surely that we're beyond that now, aren't we? It, it's it still can happen, but I yeah. I actually like in the movie um, that the way that Donna Evans said it because it, she said it the way the way in a truthful way. But if you really listen, she says the rule is if you can get three women to say no, you hire a guy. And it was almost like that was the uh, objective. Like let me find some women who can't do this so that right. I can hire the guy. Yeah. When really it should be. Let's look, flip it the other way. Let me try to find three women who can do this. And as a last resort, I'll, I'll hire the guy. Like, I'm not looking for the no. I'm looking for somebody who can. Yeah. And, and Donna kind of says, like, well, I told them I will do it. They couldn't get a no out of me. And yeah. so, so sometimes in this movie, in fact, a lot in this movie, you got to listen between the lines a little bit of what yeah. they're saying because <laughs> they are telling you the truth. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, yes, things still happen. And I think we're, we're all of the belief. And so is SAG. And so are all the stunt performers, male and female, that safety is first and foremost. And unfortunately, I would say in the last five years, there have been uh, more accidents and some deaths. And nobody mm. wants that to repeat. Um, yeah. be because uh, as as you mentioned earlier, you know, J.D. and some of the other women who have been through Death Sunset, that never leaves you. And so yeah. nobody, nobody wants those situations to happen. So it is first and foremost. And because of that, there probably will still be situations where people are painted down or where people are wigged because somebody's making a decision that that's the safest way to do it. But, mm. you know, like I said, our objective is just to go back those earlier steps, bring in women and people of color earlier, get them to the point where they can do those advanced stunts so that, you know, that doesn't have to happen. It's good to hear that you feel more supported now or the networks are in place. So if you're calling yes. out this kind of bad behavior, there aren't as major repercussions as there used to be. Because I know Julianne Johnson says in the documentary, doesn't she? She feels like her career was completely, you know, sabotaged when she called out, um, you know, drug use on set. And then that was, yeah. uh, 
Yeah. And I and I think that's part of it, what Alima was saying before. It, it is about voices being heard. And when, you know, especially back in Julian Johnson's day, when it was such a male-dominated environment that, uh, and, and this actually, you know, again, goes up in business and corporations in the world. We know about this from Me Too and things like that. If a woman did speak up, if she wasn't going to play along, she would get canceled. She would get, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. They don't want to deal with her. She's difficult or whatever. Yeah. And so what Alima is saying now, the fact that women and, and people of color do feel like their voices matter and can be heard and that they can speak up and it may not cost them their career to say, hey, I don't think this is safe. And and that the, you know, overall people want that environment where everybody feels safe, like they can speak up, um, you know, but definitely traditionally has been a thing. That yeah. if you're if you're you know if you're one of few women and you're one of few people of color who get in the door, you don't want to do anything to be kicked back out that door. Yeah, and yeah. so that sometimes would cause you to not say things when you should have. Now I think the environment is changing a bit where all voices can be heard. Um, and I hope I, I you know anybody who wouldn't want that. I don't know who that could be. It doesn't yeah. make sense to me that somebody wouldn't want that, but. Traditionally, uh, <laughs> that I think that was part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Alima, I know you've moved into, you've got a short film called Leather Man. I saw it on IMDb there where you've actually, you're the stunt coordinator, second unit director on that short film. I believe, is that the first um, stunt coordinator role for you? Is that right? That was actually my second. Ah, it, okay, okay. Yeah, so Matt Taylor, who is a coordinator, um, I remember one day he called me to hire me for a job um, and then he called me back the next day and he was like, you know what? I'm not going to be there. I'm going to give the job to you. So um, a coordinator by the name of Matt Taylor gave me my first stunt coordinating credit, um, which was so amazing. So he did give me that opportunity to learn and, you know, fill in for him. And then my second one was the low budget for uh, the low budget SAG show, uh, The Leatherman, which is my first full show that I actually had to coordinate and yeah. now I'm just I'm trying to get my next one you know either right. as an assistant coordinator or as the coordinator because this is the key isn't it because there aren't too many female stunt coordinators so why do you think that is do we see that uh, changing uh, at all I know Zoe Bell as well is a great stunt coordinator but yeah do we yeah, see seeing sense- more of this yeah since we made the movie, um, there have been women in the movie that have been doing it. Like um, you mentioned Zoe Bell. She, yeah. Quentin, brought, Quentin brought her back on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as the stunt coordinator. And she was one of the first women um, standalone stunt coordinating a big film with a big budget like that. Um, there were other women like Mo Ganderton had like a co um, stunt coordinating credit on one of the Avengers movies and then Heidi Moneymaker did all the yeah. coordinating the Hawkeye series and, and yep. she, her team got nominated for an Emmy for that work and um, and, so, and Shauna Duggins won the Emmy um, for her stunt coordinating work on GLOW so there have been big milestones in women's stunt coordinating since we made the film in the last few years which is awesome which is right. totally awesome. But it, but it is, um, it's, it, you know, again, we keep saying it's not just stunts, it's the whole world, it's the whole industry. And I think that's true. The, the coordinating thing um, has been heavily male-dominated, 
Melissa Stubbs is a badass. I'm so glad we could yeah. show her in the film because no yeah. nobody's going to push her around, and she knows what she's doing better than. Well, anybody. she's on camera there, not being pushed around as well, which is she, a wonderful yeah, sequence yeah. you've got in there. And yeah, you know great. what? Honestly, some people are so trained to not be seen, to not be on camera. She did not want to be on camera. They're used to hiding their faces, and they're used to being behind the scenes. So the fact that she. She she knew she needed to do this and talk about it and did it. I'm so grateful for her because yeah. she really does show how it's done and what it's like. We get to see firsthand some of the things that can happen. And um, yeah, so I think there's more of it, but but it is one of those glass ceiling things that traditionally men became the coordinators. Women did not. And at this point in time, there's really no reason why that should be. It should yeah. be equal. They should keep going and it. It just comes down to people, you know, building the skills and being able to advance to that level. And, and I, there's a lot more women um, starting to break those barriers now, which is really cool. Is really yeah. cool. Yeah. And, and then and then they win awards because they're good at it. You know, yeah, like that's exactly. already been proven. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. still really, really difficult, though, for a person of color to step into the stunt coordinating uh, role. That that's still very, very, very challenging. It's it's great that, you know, women in general are able to progress, but it still have been proven to be very challenging for a person of color to do that. And mm. I'm, I'm hoping that that'll also change with time mm. as well. Is it something, Alima, you want to pursue then, would you say, in in developing, uh, you know, your skills there as a stunt coordinator? A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm already, I'm currently doing that. I've, I've been shadowing coordinators before, um, so I could try to learn. I was almost the assistant coordinator on Batgirl, um, uh, uh, right. Scott Rogers, who was the coordinator, was trying to get me on um, as his assistant coordinator because the lead uh, was a female and he wanted a female assistant coordinator. And WB was on board at first. And then it w when it was time to fly me to Scotland, they said no. So it's it's still very difficult, even though the diversity thing is is prevalent and people are preaching it and talking about it. Like like April said, there still is that glass ceiling that we're kind of running into um, at the mm. top, for sure. All right. Let me try some of your kung fu. It was one of the most fun documentaries I ever got to make because yeah. when, when in a documentary do you get to shoot a drift car race sequence yeah. with, with, with some of the top drivers <laughs> in the world? Like, Fantastic. I, as a director, I loved that. That was so much fun. Um, and uh, uh, Debbie Evans is racing with her son. They both drove in on the ice in the Fast and Furious movie that did that. So they're both pros. And her yeah. husband like, is a stuntman and stunt coordinator. And, and when he saw that in the film, he was just like, you know, you, you made that sequence look like, you know, a hundred million dollar movie. And I was like, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> yeah. what I want to hear. I was so that's happy. Cool. I was so that's happy cool. that I was happy that he was happy. Yeah. Because you know? yeah. <laughs> he was my stunt coordinator that day. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez is having a great time during that whole uh, sequence as well. Um, Alima, just just quickly, just top tips, really. I think if, um, you know, any women maybe listening to this or looking to uh, make it as a stunt performer, stepping into the industry today, uh, what tips would you be offering that younger generation moving into the, the business? What would your advice be? My advice would be, um, like some of the points I mentioned earlier, to really take this serious, to take this as a business, to train 
constantly. You can never, ever, ever know enough in this industry to build as many relationships as you can um, and, and constantly, you know, be persistent, go out for everything. And like JD say, JD David said, don't take no for an answer. Um, so my, my main thing would be training and relationships, discipline and persistence. I think with those things, you can't go wrong. Thank you so much for this opportunity to chat to you both. This has been uh, this has been great. April, I love the love the movie. Congratulations, great documentary. And Alima, yeah, all the best for the next phase that you're going into, stunt coordinating or or whatever Thank you're you. working on next. Um, best of luck with everything. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything. This was wonderful. Have a good uh, rest of the day. <laughs> yes, you too. Bye. Okay. You too. Thanks Cheers. for having. Me. Bye. There we go. I do hope that you enjoyed that conversation. It was a real honour for me to be able to chair that discussion about women in stunts with the director April Wright and the stunt performer Alima Dorsey. The documentary Stunt Women, The Untold Hollywood Story, that is available now to viewers in the UK on Apple TV. Do go and check it out. And you can read my review of that documentary on the website kungfumovieguide.com. Links to both of those are available in the description for this podcast. Over the years, I have spoken to quite a few prominent female stunt performers for this show. So I did just want to flag a few of those conversations in case you wanted to head back and check out those episodes. Amy Johnston who features quite heavily in the Stunt Women documentary. She was my guest on episode 27 of this show. And Heidi Moneymaker, who is also in the documentary, she was on episode 44. I'd also recommend listening back to my chat with Tara Mackin on episode 55 and Jawandes Candice on episode 58. Jawandes is the founder of StuntPock.com. StuntPock is a website database listing stunt performers of colour in film and television throughout the USA and Canada. She does great work fighting for greater representation across the stunt industry, so do go back and check out that conversation. Also on the subject of safety, my conversation on episode 40 with Olivia Jackson is worth a listen. It's quite a heavy episode, that one, but it does really bring to light the dangers associated with stunt performing especially when stunts go wrong and in Olivia's case that has had life-changing consequences so do go back check out those conversations April Wright's new documentary is called Back to the Drive-In it is available to buy and rent on digital platforms now in the USA you can find out all the latest April Wright news by following her on Instagram. Her name on Instagram is April underscore Wright underscore 1999. And she is on Twitter. Her name on Twitter is at DriveInDoc. You can also keep up to date with Alima Dorsey on social media. Alima is on Instagram under the name Alima Dorsey. She is on Twitter under the name Alima Dorsey One. That's the digit one. And she is on YouTube under the name Alima Dorsey Nine Seven Nine Nine. And that is it 
for today's show. A huge thank you to April Wright and Alima Dorsey for taking the time to talk to me. And a huge thank you to you, the loyal food follower who has listened to this episode all the way to the very end. Thank you so much for doing so. There will be another brand new episode of the show in two weeks' time. Until then, do keep a lock to all the usual KFMG pod channels for all the latest news and information regarding this show and the world of martial arts movies. And until we meet again, please do take care, stay safe, be well, and I'll speak to you all again very soon on the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. Bye for now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.